Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 20th of January 2011. Newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll see other sites listed. These are the official sites. They'll carry the audios for download and they all carry transcripts for print up in English. Not all of them, but you get quite a selection to choose from. And um, you can also get other transcripts in Alan Watt Sentinel.eu, which is listed on the com site as well. If you find sticking on download, it's because so many folk go into the com at the same time, and you can try these alternate sites, and you might find it easier. And remember, too, that you're the audience that bring me to you, you keep me going. I don't bring on the advertisers. The ads you hear on this show are paid directly by advertisers. I don't know who they are. Direct to RBN, and that pays for this airtime and staff and equipment for RBN. It helps to pay for their bills and so on. And we certainly need these stations because, believe you me, if any of them start disappearing, it won't be long before the domino effect kicks in and you'll be left with probably an official government station instead. So you can help support me by buying the books and discs I have for sale at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase them with a personal check. You can use an international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada. You can use cash, and you can use PayPal. Use the donation button you'll see in the site, and follow it up by an email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. Same across the rest of the world. Remember, you can use Western Union, which is a very fast direct wire transfer, or you can use a cheaper method. It's MoneyGram. They can also wire, but they have the addition of a choice of checks you can purchase and post off instead. And that takes about a week to get here, but it's a lot cheaper. Some people send cash, and again, use PayPal button on the com site or any of the sites there to uh, purchase or donate. And remember, two donations are certainly appreciated because, as I say, I don't bring on advertisers who generally uh, specialize in selling stuff uh, under the guise of, of terrifying you, and that's how they make their living, which is okay. It's up to you to discern what's going on and who's who. It's not up to me. And, uh, and a lot of folk like uh, to purchase a lot of this stuff too. So, um, but I don't bring it on because there's not enough time in an hour to really get through much at all otherwise. And I like to get uh, the real major items into each night and cram them in as if I can because so much is happening in your world. And really, uh, the information is your only key right now to, to protecting yourself in some way or another, at least knowing what's really going on behind the news, because the news is an arm of government. The mainstream media is an arm of government. That's why they've been able to do so much for so long to so many people and keep them all in the dark. That's its function. And um, it's like our whole system runs on licensing, from all professions, right down to the media, licensing. Anyone can get the license revoked, and that keeps everybody in line. It's as simple as that, and they all know it too. 
Mind you, most folk in the mainstream media are just so happy to go along with the agenda. They don't, we've seen that with embedded reporters going in with the military who knew darn, darn well if they said anything uh, about massacring folk um, by, the, by the military they were in bed with, um, you know darn well they'd have been out uh, with no story and uh, no paycheck either. That's the real world we live in. There's no such thing as a free press out there on, on a mainstream level. can't exist. And eventually on the Internet as well, it will be censored. They'll, they'll have to get to a stage eventually where they censor it, or else put it so many other sites with interesting, mystical BS uh, that folk can't tell the difference between fact and fiction. That's their alternate way to go. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. You know, I've gone on before about the Free Trade Association and the negotiations they had years ago and then the NAFTA agreement and then they've had their Peace and Prosperity Partnership with the US and Mexico and supposedly by now, uh, if uh, 9-11 hadn't taken such a long course, mainly by opportunists like the Chertoff and so on who end up pushing through the bill for screening at airports and more security and then formed a company that sold them to everybody, uh, then uh, we probably would have been totally amalgamated by now. And I don't think it would have caused much of a stir. And they've talked about using economic uh, problems and pressing problems of trade and import to really amalgamate us into one continent um, and one government like the European Union basically has has done. That you, The EU was mentioned uh, in the 1800s by Marx. He talked about trading blocks and how they'd amalgamate the Europe first, followed by the Americas. But uh, maybe the greed of the ones at the top in the U.S. have helped to stall it a little bit. And who knows if it's even stalled or if this article is just a PR article put out by the CFR, because I'm sure most of the people in this article here are members of the Council on Foreign Relations, the guys who drafted up these agreements. And um, again, that's the American-Canadian branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Uh, They also have their European Institute for International Affairs, all run from London, of course, the city, and uh, they really direct the world's policy. But this was from March the 5th, 2010. And you see, your government peons are often involved. I mean, every, every president and prime minister uh, since the late 1800s has been a member of this group that changed its name eventually. And, um, and that's just the way it really is uh, across the British Commonwealth countries and the U.S. as well, according to Professor Carol Quigley, who was the historian or was a historian for this group. But uh, the names you'll find in this article I'm about to read, I'm sure, are members of the CFR, and they don't, they're again, they're private or they work in universities. In other words, they get paid for by the taxpayer, really. And they also get government grants. And that's how the governments now are running. It's public-private partnership deal where private organizations and charitable organizations dictate the policy of each country and the whole world. And so, so this is March 5th, 2010. And it says, brought to you by Canadian government grant program. So there you are. It doesn't go through parliament or anything else, but they give you tax money to these characters to help amalgamate uh, the, the continent. Uh, involves Kennesaw State University, St. Michael's College, and Carleton University. 
And it says, the purpose, this conference brings together experts to reflect upon their prospects for North American integration. Integration, folks. In the midst of global economic crisis and changing political alignments, following the implementation of the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, and then the development of the Security and Prosperity Partnership, the SPP, you get a little sip of uh, economics and wealth, no more though, maybe a smell of it. North America has entered a third uncertain and unpredictable phase. The NAFTA's prospects are doubtful and the original objectives of the SPP seem to have failed, seem to have failed, so they might be telling the truth or an untruth, raising questions about the continent's future trilateral relationship. Now remember the Trilateral Commission is uh, like Kissinger and Brzezinski and all these boys at the top is just the, a higher arm of the Council on Foreign Relations to do this very job of, of integration. It says, this relationship obviously has policy relevance for Canada and Canada-U.S. relations. Participants will explore pressing themes, including economic competitiveness and regulatory cooperation, the future of the SPP, defense and military cooperation, immigration, border control, drugs and human trafficking, trends in the continental energy, automobile and labor markets, pressures for bilateralism, and the future of the North American community. See, we're not we're a community now in the absence of continental governance. Uh, Kennesaw State University in Kennesaw, Georgia, will host the two-day conference that was in March 2010 in collaboration with the Center for North American Politics and Society, Carleton University, Ottawa. The University of Toronto Press has contracted to print an edited manuscript of selected conference papers. So you can follow all the links I'll put up tonight at cuttingthroughmeetings.com and you can find out what their strategies happen to be, and that way you won't be amazed when little things appear in the news without telling you who was behind it and why your countries are changing. Because that's how uh, it's really run. Politics is not... Politics is just the, the sideshow, the circus for the general public, and the job of a leader is to, take, to, to stand there and take the rotten tomatoes that the public uh, metaphorically has thrown them, basically. That's their job. But then they get well paid for it, too, and then to sign agreements uh, that are redrafted up by institutions like the Council on Foreign Relations, for instance. But that conference, as I say, was from last year. The papers, I think some of them are out. And, of course, they're, they're, you'll find, too, and I've mentioned this before, uh, that big players in the past who helped draft up the, the future which, which we're in today, and they drafted that up back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, admitted that novelists were awfully important for shaping the minds of the public because uh, it's easier to shape us. We're not uncritical when we think we're being entertained. Same with movies. And that's why government gives so many, so much grant money to uh, various authors and so on. But they also give incredible heaps of money too to non-fiction writers who, who are, some of them are in this organization here, who help to alter or shape, as they call it, they like to call the word shape public opinion. And they, they go through uh, your mainstream media on television and then they give their points of view and they're introduced as experts, you see. And, uh, and, and then they sell their books too. And then all the papers pick up on it and push it and so on. And that's really how opinion is formed. Uh, they start with clubs or organizations with an agenda and then they send out their emissaries to make sure that you get your particular brainwashing. And we, we sit back and, well, I guess they're experts. They must know what they're talking about. 
and you don't realize that every possible scenario, including utter dire poverty, like Britain and other countries that have joined the European Union, uh, are part of the consequences of this. But again, like Rockefeller says, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. And that's what we're going through today. Uh, they're still at it, and they'll push and push and push for this global plantation. And when I say a global plantation, I really mean it. You better understand what they mean by austerity. You better get to understand it. You better find out what these same people who who own the U.S., the, the establishment that Topper mentioned them yesterday, the big boys who are meeting with China, that's, that's part of the big establishment. As far as you're concerned, they are the U.S., these guys can sink you any time they want to with withdrawing money, these, these characters. And it's the same with Britain, too. Remember, too, that Quigley and, and, and others and Huxley and all the rest of them and Russell talked about a superclass running the, the, the various countries and, and chunks of the world. Well, these are part of the superclass, these characters, and they've been given a completely different upbringing and education than you'll get even in the Ivy League schools. They know what they're about, and they know what they're after. And these guys have been involved all across the globe, creating sweatshops everywhere they go. And people who won't let them in with their IMF and their World Bank and their central banking system get bombed into sand and dust and stuff like that. And and all their infrastructure is completely destroyed to make sure they'll never, ever rise up to any prosperity again. It also creates incredibly cheap labor when people are starving. And as I say, these are the guys behind it. They don't see human beings. They see cheap goods, which, of course, their companies own. And um, and they make sure that they, they actually back dictators and anyone, anyone at all. And that's like what, again, what Professor Carl Quigley said. He says, he says we, meaning the Council on Foreign Relations, we, we've got many members. Some are communists, some are dictators, and so on. We don't mind. We, we, we mix with them all. We're all in the same boat. We're all going in the same direction. And so anyone can... Can, as long as they're all for the establishment of the U.S., and that's the big, big bankers and so on, and the military-industrial complex. Same with the IMF. The IMF says that, that the only condition they, they have uh, for loans is that you must open your doors to international um, trades. You must allow massive importing, and you must allow the, uh, the manufacturers to move into your country to use your, the, the slave labor which they'll create, and you must keep the costs down. So that's a standard procedure. It's been happening your whole lifetime across in other countries. We certainly know all about it. And countries like Britain have been devastated. They know about it now. And um, it's still to hit uh, the Americas, and uh, we shall definitely see it. Thank goodness to an extent. Part of the reason I think that uh, they're, they're behind is it Mexico, according to tradition, and thank goodness for, for this part, have a nasty corrupt part of their, their heritage and nature, and it came to the surface with drugs and so on, and it's, there's been massive shootings for the last few years there, and so they can't quite bring us into this partnership uh, when they're going to come up across borders and start slaughtering Americans. So that's kind of laid them back a bit. And as long as drugs are continued to flow and are produced, there'll be a massive market for it, and uh, the big gangsters aren't going to give it up any more than the gangsters who meet with the Chinese president are going to give up their agenda either, or keeping sweatshops going across the planet. So I'll put this article up tonight and a PDF as well to some of the characters in it, to flogging their books, uh, to create public opinion and, and so on. 
it's just wonderful. There's, there's no amount, there's no, you know, there's no shortage of, um, professional prostitutes in the world. In any country. Every country has them. And they often get so their applause when they get on stage. They've got fancy, uh, titles behind them. And that they're always introduced as learned people. So we sit back like dumb, dumb, uh, idiots and, uh, drop our jaws and swallow every piece of nonsense they talk about, even though they have a different agenda in reality, which they will not tell the public. But they're well rewarded for it. Incredibly well rewarded. And, um, we've, we've seen, I've, the longer you live, you see, the more you will see of it in the news that the corruption at the top, what we take as corruption at the bottom. You understand, we see corruption at the bottom because we've been taught to be good, be nice, and be sociable. These guys aren't, except to their own superclass, basically. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix and I'm talking about the, the organizations that all run under this pyramid uh, of non-governmental organizations and yet here they are drafting up various legislation for a government. As I say, Quigley and others talked about the parallel government and this is what he meant by it because the real government is the parallel one. It's not the one that you think you vote for because obviously, and I, I'm sure, you, I hope you have memory enough to, to understand that whenever governments get in, every promise they made is out the window, and it's always been that way. It doesn't matter if it's left, right, or up or down, whatever you want to call the party. That's what they have is basically a party, lots of big fancy meals and stuff like that. And he's another organization used to make sure that the European Union goes in the right direction, and I'd love to know all the funding and all the rest of it, but it's, again, a non-governmental organization called Center for European Reform, and uh, it's a think tank, it says, devoted. It's devoted, you see. These guys are philanthropists, and they, they just love helping people. to so improving the quality of, of the debate on the future of the European Union, which means that they know the agenda, where it's supposed to go. The people in Europe don't know yet. They haven't been told. It says, it's a forum for people from Britain across the continent to discuss ideas on how to meet Europe's social, political, and economic challenge which is utter dire poverty since it created the European Parliament. Uh, it says the CIER works with similar bodies in other European countries. Well, it's just uh, cousins, you see, like the CFR. It's called different names in other countries. North America and elsewhere in the world. It's pro-European but not uncritical. Oh, yeah. It regards European into integration as largely beneficial. Now you've got, now everyone's got another massive parliament to, to keep, and, and all those thousands of bureaucrats as well. It's bad enough with the one you've got in your own country. And apart from that, the European Parliament is a non-democratic institution. It's an authoritarian system. So anyway, I'll put this link up as well, about the Center for European Reform. I know the reform I like to give it is to squash it up like paper and just toss it in the bin. But that will never happen because who am I and uh, who are they, of course. And also, the, the, this same organization has put out Embracing the Dragon, the EU's partnership with China. We've all become big partners, which 
partner, you see. Is that a business partner or something? If it's a business, do you get a share in it? No, you'll, you'll pay for the costs of all the, all the loans and stuff that'll fall through the, the, the holes and, and uh, that'll be your part of it, of course. That's what you mean by partnership. You get the part part of partnership. So I'll put this out linked up to embracing the dragon, isn't it? Sounds wonderful. And, um, how beneficial it will be for everybody. We'll all be working for the same wages as China, no doubt. And how they admire China so much and blah, 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 because after all, they don't have to go through this messy nonsense of democracy and, and listening to the people. Uh, so that's not a bad idea. And so, you know, these guys are all just paid prostitutes as well. And I'm sure there'll be some crazy idealists in there too. And mind you, some good psychopath. I've never heard a psychopath yet ever admit they were wrong in doing so. I mean morally wrong. They don't know what mor- morally wrong means. And it's outside the, the whole thinking scope. But uh, uh, they could really justify and rationalize anything. And these characters, no doubt, uh, will do the same kind of thing. Uh, we see that all the time. Now, many of the big boys and the big players have talked, like, like Bertrand Russell, about using the needle, he said, to really dumb us down and maybe even, who knows, bring us down to not just sterility, because it is a big big boy for advocating massive depopulation of the, you know, the, the useless eaters. And uh, he called them that too, by the way. Uh, and that's the, the vast amount of people who will no longer be necessary in this kind of society when you can get cheap labor in China and elsewhere. So the, the useless eaters would be dumbed down in different ways. And he even talked about food uh, and, uh, I say, altering the, uh, definitely altering something in your, in your body by the use of the needle and making you more compliant as well, as apart from ma- using massive, uh, very advanced psychology on the public. So they'll never know how their opinions are formed and etc. cetera. Uh, it'll just sort of happen to them through uh, indoctrination by experts. And also how they would never think outside the group. They wanted everyone to basically be group-minded. And that's why they teach that in school today and punish you if you come up with an original idea. And uh, the rest of them uh, differ on, on your points of view. You've got to join the group or you're kind of ostracized. They call it shunning in some religions. You're shunned by the group. Uh, but, you know, when you think about what we've been made to do in the past, as I mentioned back in the 70s, they'd already put human DNA in pigs in, with the American Agricultural Association, and that stuff got in the food chain, and so it's probably all through there now. But uh, they, put, they put out rice now with human genes in it. And this article is uh, on Mail on, Online, the rice with human genes. The first genetically modified food crop containing human genes is set to be approved for commercial production. They used to call this cannibalism, you know, at one time. Anything to do with eating humans, even parts of humans, is still cannibalism, whether you like that or not. You understand that you are going to eventually get soil and green. You'll get bars of food made from reconstituted bodies, and I'm not kidding about that. You're being trained step by step, and the scientists will come on and say, well, you know, once it's all processed and all these bodies are... It's no different than the protein and, and these nuts and the proteins and blah, 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 and it's all wonderful and lovely, and folk will accept that. They'll literally, you know, swallow it. And that's where they're going with all of this. And even these articles here are training you to, well, you know, I mean, what's so special about human life anyway, and... We've had years of that stuff. Back with more after this break. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Talking about the the mixing of human genes with uh, food and vegetables. I don't really think it's the first time they've done it with uh, the the veggies and so on. And probably the rice as well. Or even with the fish that get churned out now in these farms. Because I I watched a program years ago where the the Canadian government had had funded a project. And uh, they were introducing new DNA into fish and it's so simple to do they just held the fish up coming down a trough one at a time, very quick a few seconds each uh, and just touched them, it was the end of a pen thing uh, which injected into it um, some DNA attached with E. coli, E. coli takes it deep inside and once the, the just like you as your cells die off and they're replaced, this new DNA replaces the ones that die off and, and eventually the fish becomes a complete different you know, it's, it's a, and it's owned of course, the guys own the patent, the DNA so that kind of puts you off their, their farmed, farmed fish anyway it's the same thing with your with your all your crops. Now you don't bring big biotech companies into into making your food um, that worked and have a tradition of being part of the big military industrial complex like Monsanto. Um, you don't bring in thousands of scientists that are generally making things to kill you into making things because they like you, like food, for instance, which is awfully essential to living. If you haven't thought about it much, you should do some thinking about that. But it's, it says it's the first GM food crop containing human genes set to be approved for commercial production. Laboratory-created rice produces some of the human proteins found in breast milk and saliva. Well, that, that's awfully appetizing, isn't it? It says its U.S. developers say they could be used. To, they always do this. It's like wanting to give you a brain chips. Well, we're, we're trying to help quadriplegics like the DARPA said years, a couple of years ago. I mean, that's what DARPA's there for. The big military boys are there to help paraplegics. No, I don't think so. They always use that rubbish. So it could, be, it could be used. It could be used to treat anything, but used to treat children with diarrhea, a major killer in the third world. So if they survive, they'll be salivating as though they're on antipsychotic medication, I guess, and, and growing breasts. It says the rest is a, the rice is a major step in so-called Frankenstein foods, the first mingling of human origin genes and those from plants. But the U.S. Department of Agriculture has already signaled it plans to allow commercial cultivation. So, in other words, the boys who've uh, who, who've uh, put are put in there by Monsanto because they own the FDA and everything. As their boys who all they all work for Monsanto, they'll do a few years in the U.S. departments, then they go back to Monsanto. Anyway, so it's, it's a, a done deal. The rice producers, California-based Ventria Bioscience, have been given preliminary approval to grow it on more than 3,000 acres in Kansas. The company plans to harvest the proteins and use them in drinks, desserts, yogurts, and muesli bars. It says it's provoked horror among some GM critics and consumer groups on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, Gene Watch UK which monitors new GM foods, described it as very disturbing, and researcher Becky Price warned there are huge, huge health risks, and people should rightly be concerned about this. But this is the agenda, folks. You see, Russell talked about this kind of stuff back in the 1930s and 40s. 
And, uh, and what's amazing too is you can put artists like this out and then they say, Friends of the Earth campaigner Claire Oxborough said, Using food crops and fields as glorified drug factories is a very worrying development. Friends of the Earth are, are the most radical group for massive depopulation. But they get them snuck in this article here just to give you a different opinion. And another article on it too, I'll, I'll put this up tonight as well. It says, uh, it goes into the same story basically and gives a little bit more detail about it. And it talks about the first biotech crops commercialized in 96. Biotech crops are now being grown in 18 countries. That's why you've all got ulcers and, and cancers of the colon, just like all the animals that tested this stuff on first got. Uh, if, you, if you didn't understand why cancers are skyrocketing, uh, maybe you'll put two and two together, uh, hopefully. Uh, it says, today the United States is a leader in producing biotech crops with $27.5 billion in value in 2003 to 4 from growing biotech-enhanced soybeans, corn, cotton, canola, and a lot of other stuff now. A lot of other stuff, and all the other kinds of vegetables as well. So unless you grow your own, really, or you know someone who does grow your, their own, you, you, it's, it's not good news. And corn, everything, it's just on and on and on it goes. If you want to conquer the world, you just follow, as I say, the agenda prescribed by Bertrand Russell and the big boys uh, and the Huxleys who talked about, especially Julian Huxley, about massive depopulation, etc. People who are given a, a completely different education and a different reality altogether than, than any of you would ever suspect. And they, they, they're part of a superclass, of course, very old superclass. In the family. Now, Scotland uh, is introducing compulsory ID schemes for the children at the school gate. It makes perfect sense. I've, I've mentioned before how the U.S. have already trained a generation uh, to go through all the different metal detectors and all the rest of it, and having their lockers checked, etc. That's part of training them for the system they'll grow up into. And they're already grown up into it. Now they go through the airport scanners thinking it's all quite natural, you see. You always train them in advance, and that's the key to everything. Beria said that back in the 1930s, and he was the head of the NKVD or KGB, if it was later called, for the Soviet Union. But uh, you always train them in advance for the system you've planned for them to grow up into when they're older. So they'll think it's all quite natural. And, and so Scotland's introduced, again, it's a test scheme for Scotland, for the whole of Britain and maybe the whole of Europe. And it says, um, it says at the start, they, they said it was completely voluntary, but this is no longer true. And I'll put this link up tonight as well. It says, Breedle Bain Academy in Aberfeldy, uh, and we, we believe at other schools in Perth and Kinross, people now need to carry a national entitlement card in order to gain access to their own education. Parents have been told that the system has been put in place to maximize security in the school building. And believe you me, there's a lot of kickbacks in this, this, this uh, IDing, etc., and all contracts that go out. The big money, a lot of pocketing, too, goes on. It says, will young, uh, will young Scott now amend its uh, website to make it clear that the scheme is not completely voluntary? Scotland seems to be introducing a national ID scheme by stealth at the school gates. And uh, I'll put this article up with the, all the rest of the links uh, from the article. You'll see it on that page. You can follow it because you're all going to get the same thing for the countries who haven't got it yet. But uh, we're, we're into a system now of total tracking. And you understand uh, the last article I read from the site talked about um, tracking as well, where everything that happens is, when you're a child is noted for life. Even if they mistake you for someone else at school, they did something rotten or nasty, uh, that's on your record for life. 
that will affect everything from then on, how people look at you, view you for jobs, and, and so on and so on and so on. School to grave, or even cradle to grave, that's where they're going with all this stuff. You can't make any transaction now without ID at all, anywhere. And that's that's what they want. That's what this whole technological um, revolution is all about. It's, 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 again, they love the word revolution since these guys who run the world created all the revolutions. But uh, And most of them, mind you, are bloodless, uh, technically, or, or, or basically, at least minimally. And uh, this revolution is their revolution for owning all the cattle across the planet. That's what this is all about. Now, it's interesting to, to look at the, the gophers they put up there, like like uh, Tony Blair, to pretend he's the running Britain. And he, he was pretty good, mind you. Uh, he, he kept folk watching him when he was on television because he did a lot of hand-waving. And, and, and he paused at the right places and st- put his nose up and very indignant, very kind of like Mussolini, uh, without the uniform. And uh, he was single-handedly, basically, he, he brought Britain into a war that nobody wanted, but again, that's a home of democracy called Britain. And what do you expect? And afterwards, you know, this, this labor guy who, you know, it was all for the working man, an absolute con man, absolute con man from Oxford. People have told me and journalists have told me they've seen him drive up to the working men's clubs where he was to give a speech. And he would take out, uh, he would get off his, his suit and tie, his jacket, suit and tie in the car. And he put on a, a blue uh, shirt uh, and roll up his sleeves, you see, to make, to look a real working class type character. Then he'd, he'd do that kind of stuff. A real actor, uh, and um, they get rewarded for everything they do for their masters. When after they leave politics, that's when the big money rolls into them. Uh, if they talk about writing a book, it's, it's got, they've already sold uh, 10 billion copies before they've even put pen to paper. Not that they have to put pen to paper because they're guaranteed it's all ghostwritten for them and stuff like that. And they get all these opportunities. And he's been raking in millions and millions of pounds since he left office. That's how they reward their little peons. But his wife, who is also a Queen's Counsel, that means that she once, uh, as a lawyer, did work for, for the Crown. You get the title Queen's Counsel. Cherry Blair, she's tried to use taxpayer cash to buy a £3,500 Swedish bed. This is, um, how can she sleep at night? Cherry Blair wanted taxpayers to foot the bill for her Downing Street bed. She, and... Um, she tried to do this a month after uh, taking uh, he, the husband took office. The then Prime Minister and his wife only backed down and agreed to pay for it themselves after the details of the king-sized Swedish-built bed emerged in newspapers. Uh, you wouldn't believe these characters. You know, they're, they're, they're so money-hungry. Now that they've got into the, the honeypot, they, they just want to just start, you know, a bit too soon, mind you. And, and, of course, he knew this to play the game for a few years, get the war going and all that. And he knew he'd get rewarded after it. But he had an awful time taming his wife because she was walking around like Emilia Marcos, apparently, and um, in New York, buying everything she saw. And uh, he couldn't quite get her to you know, calm it down a wee bit and, and say, look, you know, have patience. We'll be loaded after we're, we're out of office. And that's just a little trivia story to me. But that's the real characters that you have. When, I think it was Mulroney, um, left uh, uh, office in Britain uh, in Canada after uh, pushing through the NAFTA agreement 
in the free trade agreement. He uh, and others, uh, he's not the first one to do this, but they're actually putting down all their expenses on their taxes. And they put down used underwear. Used underwear that they donated to the Salvation Army. That was the story. Could you believe that? Hey, the, the, the guy's a multimillionaire. Uh, but we, we can imagine, the, you understand, we live in a moneyed system. And money creates poverty for most folk. It, may, it creates a, a few winners and lots of losers. So you're running a race, there's only uh, first, second, and third, and, and, the rest, and then all the rest, all the losers. That's how the world is run in money. And it creates a terrible fear. We live in fear of poverty, of sickness, and no money to pay for to get help, and, and loneliness, and, sh- and no home, and stuff like that. And this is what they call democracy. And even when you think you get a home, uh, they can kick you out of any time if you lose your job and you can't pay. Even if it's paid up, the mortgage, which means to, to death, you know, it's from the French, to death, it lasts your whole life to pay it up. Even if you, you own it technically, uh, um, and it's not even technically really, it's a farce, it's a con, the government can take it off you and kick you on the street if you're behind in your taxes. I mean, so the whole system is fear-driven to keep us all in their place and to make us all compete with each other. But it, and the psychopath, uh, the only kind of fear they'll have, uh, apart from this, this poverty, they don't want to be one of you, you see. Uh, uh, so they'll do anything they can. They're off. I mean, anything. Whoever stands in their way is eliminated to get as high to the top as you can possibly imagine because they, they also have that kind of fear of, of poverty and not having, especially the limelights and all the rest of it. And you don't get the limelight when you're utterly stinking poor. So uh, there they, are plenty of these peons that they can use. And, um, and and he is a psychopath, Blair. I mean, this guy has had been interviewed, and he, he was asked if he had any regrets, including the war that he'd helped bring on. And he says, oh, that hassle, he says. Then he says, no, he's, he's had no regrets in anything I did. And that's a psychopathic answer there. That's a psychopath talking right there. So they pick their, their little boys well, and they, the, the little boys do what they're told and take whole countries to war, and they smash other countries up, including their water supplies and everything, and baby food factories and all that stuff, to make sure that the big boys uh, that run the world, the Goldman Sachs, etc., uh, will have cheap labor, and, and lots, and all the big oil companies got the oil, which they plundered. The contracts were given out. I read it on the air when they were given out at the time to all the traditional big oil companies. Not bad plunder. Things haven't changed much since the Viking times. And that's the reality of the world we live in. Now, James Dellingpole uh, from The Telegraph has got a, an excellent um, article here on the global warming thing. Uh, since it's not working and everybody's freezing, and uh, they're actually changing their, their, their technique. It says, we can't win the game, so let's change the rules. And it's quite a funny article. It's written in a nice, um, entertaining way as well, as it puts it across facts. And it's on the current state of the climate science. It should be made compulsory reading in every classroom, every university science department, every eco-charity, every environmental NGO, and in every branch of government. They won't like it uh, up, uh, up on them for sure, it says here. Uh, this is by Willis Eschenbach, that's what he said recently in What's Up With That blog, which is pretty good on the climate nonsense. What Eschenbach said is so pure and simple and obvious that you'd need to be as dumb as Chris Hune not to get it. It says the theory linking man-made CO2 with dangerous global warming is dead. 
has been falsified. It's run smack bang into a null hypothesis. It's met its Waterloo. It has bought the farm. It has gone for a Burton. It's it's cashed in its chips, fallen off the perch, gone south, gone west, shuffled off this mortal coil, run down the curtain, and joined the choir invisible. And I would add to that, as Monty Python said, it's a dead parrot. So it says, man-made global warming has ceased to exist. Well, it hasn't really, because they've gone ahead and you're going to pay your energy taxes now personally, uh, as some countries have already introduced. To, they would, I, I said before, it wouldn't matter if Jehovah himself came down and said it's all nonsense, and it, they'd still have to, they'd have to nuke them, because they aren't going to change their agenda. Do you understand it's the biggest cash grab in history for the slave owners, the ones who own the planet? It's, I mean, literally everything you purchase, how much energy it takes to produce that, you're going to pay the extra cost for it. What would that do if it was turned into carbon? Oh, you're to pay for that too. Uh, everything is going to be sky high. I mean, this is perfect slavery. And it's just hot air. It's nonsense. Utter rubbish. But anyway, it says, um, Eschenbach wrote his uh, post in response to a bizarre speech prepared by Dr. Kevin Trenbeth of the National Center for Atmospheric Research which he intended to deliver to the American Meteorological Society. Trent Berth is an arch-warming, perhaps best known for writing the Climate Gate email, which went, the fact is we can't account for the lack of warming at the moment, and it's a travesty that we can't. When Trent Berth's speech was pre-published on the Internet, it caused something of a stir, both for the way large chunks of it had been taken almost verbatim from another scientist, because they're all given the same spiel, and for its use six times of the word denier. Thanks to some kindly advice preferred, preferred by Steve McIntyre, Trenberth has now significantly altered his speech, but not, uh, as I can incorrectly reported earlier, by changing his six uses of the word deniers to skeptics. That loaded word deniers he has kept, which gives you an idea of the man's zealotry. And it's really, well, they're zealotrous because they get massive money thrown at them through grants and stuff. They're all making massive profits off the ghost stories, basically, isn't it? Can't catch a ghost. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, and the time has flown in as always flies in here. But uh, I'm going to try and take a caller here, and there's David from Wales phoning in. Are you there, David? Hi, hi, Alan. Yes. Hi, um, it's me, David Jones. Yes, how are you? Yeah. I'm fine, thank you. Um, it's a great honour to, uh, to speak to you finally, sir. Um, at the, I just wanted to talk about um, what's called um, uh, an issue called devil, devolution. Have you heard of it? Devolution? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, right now in Wales, they're um, having a referendum um, on lawmaking powers. In, mm-hmm. in, in for the, this this kind of sick joke of um, uh, called the Welsh National uh, uh, Assembly. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it? I don't know whether you've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it. It's, it's much like the, the Scottish Parliament idea too. Yeah. Yeah, and um, basically the system as, as it has, has, as it works is basically the, if they want to propose any legislation, it has to go through kind of um, you know a balance and check system where it at least goes to the liars in Parliament before it, it, it gets um, put into law here. Yeah. But um, the, the referendum they're having now is, is where the law that they that they propose is um, only checked by the um, the assembly itself. 
and some of the laws they're proposing, for example, there's a law they propose for an organ donation. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard of that. Opt out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, um, I mean, this is the, uh, this is, I, I'll give you a quote. Um, one of the, um, this is, this is from the Welsh, um, audit office. It said, um, there had been a, um, they'd carried out an internal audit and they'd find out, found out there'd been a major risk of loss, fraud, impropriety, and poor value for money and a, a failure to achieve objectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hasn't, and, and the assembly hasn't been audited since 2003. Yeah. And it has, it has a, it has a, a budget of 13.4 billion pounds, mm-hmm. 3 million people. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know what, what I mean, it's basically like a, a, a form of neo-feudalism. You're right on. Actually, it, it is feudalism. Uh, Carl Quigley said that the system they're bringing Carl in Quigley, is a feudal. Exactly. It, You're right on. That's what it is. Yeah, it's a feudalistic system that's been brought in, and um, as they bring in devolution, and again, which is part of communitarianism, uh, you will ha- your area will have to go for taxes or, 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 or raise your own taxes, by the way, and go to the World Bank for their cash and IMF, and then when you default, and it's some big feudal overlord will come in and own your whole area and you too and your organs for. for for no doubt to mix in with these rice, but um, this is the system you're going into, and it's 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 well underway now. And the public are never ever involved in any of the say of what's really of what's going on at all. It's all decided for them. As they give you this new democracy, nothing is decided by the public because they're not even brought into the arguments. Yeah. I, I live less than a mile away from the the actual building itself, and yes. to get in. You have to go through a checkpoint, like literally an airport, airport-style checkpoint. Yes. To get in. Yeah. And and um, it's just crazy. I mean. And that is a new system. I mean, what you're seeing, all these checkpoints and barriers and gates, it's the new feudal overlord with their castle. That's what you're seeing. It. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But, but thanks but, for taking my call. The thanks for calling. From Hamish myself, Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you.